content on this production is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It is not medical advice, nor is it intended to substitute medical treatment or diagnosis. Seek medical help if you believe that you are suffering from a mental illness or are a threat to yourself or others. By using any or all of the information provided, you do so at your own risk. Any application of the material is at the listener's discretion and is his or her sole responsibility. Well, Merry Christmas. We hope that you are having a great time. Today with me here, I have Luke, my son, and my wife, Jennifer. Luke, can you say hello? Hello. Hi. So, Luke, tell me what what do you want for Christmas? I want a dog. A dog? What kind of dog? A poodle. A poodle. And why do you think Santa Claus will bring you a poodle? Is he going to bring it because you've been good? Yeah. So, do you remember, what did we do last Christmas? Do you remember? We went to Mimo's house. And did you play with a dog at Mimo's house? Yes. What was that dog's name? Charlie. Oh, my goodness. And what, Charlie is a what? A mess. Yep, Charlie is a mess. Um, but I have my wife, too, here. And tell what do you want for Christmas? You haven't really told me other than a stethoscope. I want a laptop because I want to go back to nursing school, and I want my all my family to be healthy. She just kind of threw that on us, didn't she, Luke? Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, she hadn't told us that yet, has she? No. Do you think we should get her one? No, I don't think so. You don't think we should get her one? Hey. I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, tell us, Jennifer, tell us one of your best Christmas memories. My favorite Christmas memory was when we first got married. That was my favorite Christmas when we celebrated together. So marrying me was your best Christmas member. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it, Luke? Yeah. So what, as growing up, what do you remember was the best Christmas present that you ever got? My best Christmas present that I ever got was Luke. Luke. Can you believe that? No. No. So I think that, you know, Christmas is different for everybody each year and how you celebrate and, and what exactly that you do. But it's important for us to be grateful for what we do have because there's so many people that, that don't have things. This past week, uh, if you've watched any of the local news here in the Mid-South, you'll know that we were ravaged by tornadoes this past week. And there were people who lost everything. And they're they're now rebuilding and, and they don't have it. I mean, there was a farmer that lost all of his cattle in one school district who lost every school bus. And, and we have so much to be thankful for, so much to be grateful for. Uh, grateful that we have each other and that we're able to spend Christmas together uh, this year. And, and COVID has, has kind of calmed down in our area, but in other areas it has, has flared up again. So we just need to remember to have that, if we could use the word Christmas hope, that things will get better. Uh, we have to give it time. We have to work together for a common goal. And we will overcome. We will make it through with each other. So I want to challenge you today to be thankful, to be grateful for everything that you do have. All right, Luke, Jennifer, is there anything you want to say before we go? I wanted to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. All right, Luke, do you have anything you want to say? Merry Christmas. All right. Well, everybody have a Merry Christmas and we will see you soon. <laughs> 
everybody, Doc Brian here, and welcome to Doc Talks. And Merry Christmas. This is our Christmas episode. And so we'd asked a couple of weeks ago for you to call in um, to our guest line and tell us some things that you do to cope with holiday stress, some of the things that uh, you may have questions about on how to deal with the holidays. And so today we're going to answer those questions and hopefully... Uh, you're listening to today's episode so that you can hear your question, hear your voice on our podcast. Uh, to help me with this, I have Jonathan Waddell with me. And uh, well, Jonathan, I'll just let you tell about yourself. Yes, thank you. Um, my name is Jonathan Waddell. I've been a therapist, a licensed clinical social worker about three years, close to four. Um, I work at a local community mental health center. And I've worked with all ages, but right now I mostly work with kids and teenagers. And my current passion is kids with behavior problems. Uh, a lot of my recent training has been geared towards that. So yeah, I really enjoy helping families with that. So with behavioral issues, the plethora of different types of behavioral issue uh, is so wide, widespread. Uh, do you typically, I guess you would get a referral from like a school counselor or a, a social worker as in there's this behavior that they have, have dealt with? Oh, yes. That's... That's probably the most common, if you work with kids, that's probably the most common referral you're going to get. What test did they do to determine that? Do you remember? For the... For the referral. At the school? Here's um, the hardest question you're probably going to be asked. <laughs> I'm not sure if they do a test at the okay. school. It's more of a, hey, this kid's throwing chairs like every sure. we need help. Sure. Okay. Um, so they're not doing an actual uh, behavioral assessment. Mm -hmm. um, I do it with them when they you know come to my office because I like having a baseline or something to start with, but... Usually the referral doesn't have that. Sure. And so one thing that, that I share with teachers and parents and, and therapists is that behaviors are words. And we've got to kind of get to the root of, of what they are trying to, to tell us there. What is the strangest behavior that you've had to deal with? Strangest? Oh, man. And I know we don't really like to use that word, but out of just our, what we see as normal everyday life, what would you say is the strangest I'd have to think about that one. I'm not really sure. A lot of aggression, fighting, yelling, those are pretty common ones, but strange one. I work with a lot of folks with disabilities, so I could probably give some pretty out there ones. Well, one, I worked at a summer camp. It was Barnabas in Missouri. It's a pretty famous camp. And there was a camper who he would go under the cabins and you wouldn't know where he went. He would just disappear and he'd be playing in the dirt. And for him, it was a sensory thing. It was very calming and it was a new place, but it was very strange. And if you weren't paying attention, you'd be like, where is Tommy or, you know, whatever his name was. Mm -hmm. and, and you would find him under a cabin. Yeah. He would be under some random cabin playing in the dirt. Well, I'm sure um, it was a lot cooler under there anyway. No, it made a lot of sense. And it's very, I mean, there's not people around and it's not hot under the cabin. So yeah, it made a lot of sense. Yeah. But it's definitely, I would say weird. Yeah. Um, I, I would. Well, you know, when I was younger, our house was on, on brick, and so you could go under the house. But And my sister and I would go under the house and play until we found there was a skunk under there one day, and we never, ever went back under that the would house. Do it. Yeah, took us out. So let's, let's get into some of these questions. Uh, here is the first one. Hi, Dr. Brian. My name is Valerie. I'm from L.A., my question is, what are healthy ways to deal with holiday stress? Thank you. All right, Jonathan, I'm going to pass this one to you for your first first question here. Oh, thank you. So some stuff I always recommend, any kind of relaxation technique. So stress is just 
tension in the body, right? So logically, it makes sense that if you can just relax those muscles and ease that tension, then you won't feel as stressed. There's many different apps and YouTube videos. I use the the Calm meditation app, um, but there's different ones. Mine, you have to pay for, and I think there's some free ones out there. Which we're not sponsored by Calm, but we would enter oh. we would entertain you know sponsorship oh, from Calm. Yeah. Exactly. I usually start with those. That's what I recommend to most people. Self-care is also something that I'm big on. Finding time and scheduling something you enjoy that makes you feel good can really help with um, your mood and feeling calmer, also giving you something to look forward to during the week or the month. And, and I would think it really would depend on what the origin of that stress is. Is it stress of having to be around family? Is it stress of having to feel like you're adequate enough that you've bought the right presents. Uh, I mean, there's, there's so many different avenues there when it comes to that broad sweeping term of holiday stress. Mm. And I think that there are people that just get overwhelmed at the thought of here we are at another holiday. And, and they do like most people and wait until Christmas Eve to buy presents and, you know, do all of that planning. Mm. So if, if you get caught in that kind of thing, the best thing would be to just, first of all, sit down and make a plan, know what's going to happen, know the expectations, know you're uh, triggered is such a, such a cliche term anymore, but know your triggers, know the things that are, are going to hinder you or things that are going to help you and really try to plan out your day around those triggers. Yes. I'm a big planner. Definitely make yourself a holiday survival guide if you need it. Um, if you know you're going to be around certain triggers, plan for them. Like, this is what I'm going to do if this happens and, you know, whatever it is. Which brings us to our next question um, that may be a little difficult. Hi, Doc Ryan. This is Drew. Is it okay to leave a family function if it's overwhelming? And uh, how do I do that correctly? Thank you. Well, being in the South, <laughs> the first answer would be, no, you don't do that. You don't leave a family function. Uh, but when it comes to your mental health, absolutely. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if if you are are getting to a point of where it's unhealthy for you at that moment, absolutely, it's okay to leave. Mm. The problem becomes of how do we do it? How do we do it in a way that's not triggering to other people? How do we do it in a way that is still respectful to the gathering? One thing that I have <clears throat> suggested over the years is that it may just be as simple if it if you are just need a few minutes to collect yourself. It may just be as a, a simple as excusing yourself and going to the restroom for a couple of minutes. Now, depending on how long you stay in there, could draw some attention. If you you know, I, I don't, I'm not saying smoke a cigarette, but if you smoke, take, take a smoke break, go outside, gather your thoughts, gather what's going on. But if it gets to a point of where you were just so overwhelmed that you need to leave, how do you do that? That is tricky. The, the thought that, that I first have, cause I'm, I'm like you, I'm sitting here going, how do you do that? And it's uh, hard to know without all the details, sure. like depending on the circumstance, there's different ways you could approach it. Sure. So my initial thought would be is that you need a safe person at that function with you, whether that's a spouse, whether it's a mom or dad or, or grandfather, or grandmother, aunt, uncle, whatever the case may be, 
that you can indicate to that person that you are getting overwhelmed. And then they could help you navigate through leaving if that's what you have to do. And on the flip side of that, if you are a family member who someone is about to leave or someone spends entirely too long in the restroom or there's kind of a uh, an anxious moment of an outburst uh, that, say, happens at the dining room table or in the living room, it's so important for us to not say things like when they come back, well, are you okay now? Or mm. what took you so long? Because that can just exaggerate everything else. Mm. And while I think that we're coming more mental health aware, we still lack in a lot of areas. And so we do have to take in consideration those around us. But at the end of the day, your health is number one that you are in control of. Mm. Uh, And so you've got to do that. Other than just saying, hey, I'm completely overwhelmed, which you'd probably be too anxious to even say, just leave. You know, Mm. I wouldn't suggest getting in your car and turning off your phone, but you could get in your car and and uh, know that you're not going to answer certain calls or text or um, that sort of thing until you have a, have the ability to regulate your emotions back to a point of where where you've somewhat got yourself together. Mm. And this goes back to also um, pointing ahead. So if you know, you know, you've been here before, you know, kind of what would happen, kind of have some coping skills ready for yourself that you could use. Um, like it could be going to the bathroom. It could be taking some deep breaths, r- relaxing your body. You know, it could be different depending on your needs and what's worked for you in the past. But yeah, go and have a plan for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And being prepared, you know, once again, then goes back to having that safe person. Even in my instance, there are times where I'm getting anxious and I don't realize it as much as my wife does. And she will, you know, be the, the thing that goes, Hey, you're a little anxious. Is everything okay? You know, the, where she is seeing it in me and and that really helps to regulate, but it also helps me to know that there is somebody else who is looking out for these things that, that I'm prepared in a way that someone is there to help. Mm. Yeah. I like that one. The support system. Yeah. The support system is everything, Mm. everything. Unfortunately, we don't all have that support system. All right. This next one I'll think is a question uh, as much as telling us their, their story. Hey, my name is Joshua Broom, and I live in Ely, Iowa, which is in between Cedar Rapids and Iowa City. Uh, Go Hawks. (laughs) But, yeah, I I just wanted to share a story really briefly. Uh, Thanksgiving, about a decade ago, I was sitting in my bedroom, not even just my apartment alone. I had to close the door to my bedroom because I felt so bad about myself. I thought that being isolated was what I needed. And I was sitting there with a bucket of KFC that I had lied to uh, the person in the drive-thru that I was getting this for my family. And the reality was I was living in Hollywood. I was making good money. I was uh, achieving some of the things that I thought would bring me happiness, but it wasn't working. And I was ashamed about how I was living and I shut everyone out. And my encouragement to you, if you are feeling like you want to be alone, uh, more often than not, that's not the best medicine for you. And what actually helped me is I started going, um, in my case, I went to a gym. I, I found a community of people 
who were like like-minded and I just forced myself to be in community and that was where um some mental health uh progress was made but in retrospect I am a father of 3 and I'm married now and I'm never alone ever and um it's so easy to get caught up in what I should be doing how I wish something should be uh was going different and you miss out on what is in front of you so uh, the double side of the coin is if you feel like you're iso- you feel like you want to be isolated, more often than not, that's not the best answer. If you want to go on a long walk and clear your head, that's great, but don't shack up in your bedroom with a bucket of KFC this holiday. Um, put yourself in proximity of people. In addition to that, if you're someone who has uh, a family or a group of people you spend time with, don't miss out on the opportunity that's right in front of you. So that's that. Have a great day, guys. Uh, thanks, Joshua, for that um, explanation there. I, is it ever a bad idea to shack up in your bedroom with a whole bucket of KFC? I don't know. It sounds pretty good. Yeah, it sounds sounds like a plan to me. <laughs> uh, but I do get what he's saying. Um, now, I would say, first of all, that if you want to be alone, be alone. But it goes to that old adage that I'm known for saying is – it's okay. However you feel, it's okay to feel that way. Just don't unpack and live there. So if you feel alone and you want to be alone, that's okay. Express that emotion. Stay in your room if that's what you want to do. But don't unpack and live there. Uh, and, and his coping skill uh, that he mentioned was getting out and forming community somewhere. But in the depths of depression and stress and anxiety, that's really difficult for us to do simply because we don't want to. So how do we, I don't want to use the word force, but how do we get ourselves hyped up to even do that? Oh, that is tough. Something I've recommended to folks. It's called behavioral activation, which is just a big word to say, plan activity that you like and try it out. And then once you're done, you can kind of rate to yourself, okay, that was like an eight out of 10. I really enjoyed that. And then in the future, you'll know, like, okay, if I do this, like, I really enjoy this. And that's really helpful for me and my mental health. Sometimes you'll do it and it'll go not the way you expect and you won't enjoy it at all. And that's even that's something to take note of because you can use that for the future. Like, oh, that didn't really work for me. And, and, and that is a great technique and something that we should use. But those people who, let's say, are bipolar or have chronic depression or a major depressive disorder, it's going to be harder for them to say, okay, I'm going to make myself do this today. Or even somebody with ADHD that is just having a really bad day, it's hard for them to get motivated to do, especially if they don't take their meds uh, to to regulate, to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And so the answer there is always that support system of somebody checking in on you and, and saying, hey, let's go do this. I'm outside. You know, it's not, hey, I'm going to come pick you up because then they get the opportunity to tell you, no, I'm not doing it. But if you're outside, most of the time they're going to feel obligated to go do whatever. But it falls back again on that support system. And most people who uh, deal with depression and mental health issues and crises don't have that support system. And so how do we get that support system? What do we look for when we're trying to to develop that? There's so many ways my head is going with this because, you know, I would 
I'd start with family, but you know, some people, again, they don't have that either or family they trust at least. Right. I would say that your support system first starts with a therapist of knowing that, Hey, if I need to be seen, I can call and it may be a phone call that I get to talk to them for five or 10, 15 minutes. It's scheduled appointment to see with them. But that first lifeline should be a mental health provider. And then outside of that, you learn who you can trust and who you can't trust. And, and you rely on your mental health provider to guide you in, in which way to, to regulate to other people. It would be very easy for us to say, well, if you were a part of a church, then you would have a support system. But you and I both know that church people aren't always the best support system. Mm. Um, and they can be kind of judgy at times, you know, mm. or your family. But as you said, sometimes family's not there. Maybe sometimes family is the cause of the mental health condition. Uh, and so it does get very, very touchy. But if you do something that you like, that nobody knows who you are, and all they know you is for what you do, like the first thing that comes to my mind is like going bowling. Nobody knows who you are other than by your name. They know if you're a good bowler or not. You can form community in that without even really meaning to, by just by going somewhere. So there are ways to to build community, but I'll tell you, even for personal experience and, and as a practitioner, it is very difficult to do because we don't really know who to trust. And, and if you're like me, it's always the thought of, okay, they trust me until, or I can trust them until. And what happens when that until comes, what is the plan then? So it's, support system is so vital, vitally critical, but it's hard to get. It really is hard to get. Mm -hmm. And it's even more difficult to maintain. That's true. It's, it's definitely something you have to keep up with. Um, and also if you have a history of, you know, damaged relationships, it's going to be harder for you to connect with someone because you're going to have all this baggage that you bring with you. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the other thing about it is, you have to be transparent with your support system about your feelings and your emotions. And how do you sit back and say, okay, I, I need to tell them this, but I don't want them to run away from me. You know, I don't want that to happen. And if you were having those thoughts, <clears throat> my best suggestion would be to go ahead and tell them. And if they did run away, then they just did you a huge favor by not using you to a point of where, then they couldn't handle you anymore and got rid of you. I like that. I like the way you phrase that. All right. Let's see here. See if we can get somebody to dumbfound us, which would not be hard to do. All right. This is a, this one here from Rachel. Hi, Zach Brian. My name is Rachel. Uh, my question for you is I don't have a ton of money to buy Christmas presents for my children this year. And they don't really understand that. How can I explain this to them without adding to their level of stress? You want to take a stab at that? Well, without knowing the age of the child, because that that factors into it. They're really little. They have a hard time understanding certain things. I'm a big believer in just honesty, like letting them know, hey, mom and dad, don't have money like we usually do. We can't buy you gifts like, you know, we did last year or the other years. Um, and just being honest with the child. 
And the child might be frustrated or like, no, but I want this. I really want this. And just validate that emotion. Say, like, I know, and I wish we could have it too. And, you know, sometimes I don't get things I like in my life. And it is hard. Sure. Know? Yeah. And, and like you said, it does does come down to the age of a child. Uh, if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, you'd know that Luke, my son, who's six, wants a poodle for Christmas. I saw that. <clears throat> and I'm like, how do I break to a six-year-old that he's not getting a poodle for Christmas? Not to mention, do you know what poodles cost? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, which, you know, I don't, I'm not a big proponent of going to a breeder, but if you want a, you know, a full, full-blooded animal, that's where you got to go. But the cheapest poodle I found in the state of Arkansas was like thirty six hundred dollars for oh for a toy poodle. Uh, for a medium p- poodle, it went down to like eighteen hundred. You could get him like three Xboxes. Sure, like that. <laughs> right? Yeah, which he would care nothing about. But I did sit down and tell him that you know Santa doesn't bring live animals because one, it's too cold in the air for for them. Uh, second of all. They might pee or poop on other kids' presents. And you wouldn't want to get a present that some poodle peed or pooped on. That makes sense. Uh, And it was all well and good until we saw this video on TikTok of Santa bringing this little lab puppy to this little boy. And uh, then my cover was blown. But as, as you said, it boils down to honesty. And I think that depending upon age, once again, it's okay for them to say, hey, look, you know, Santa has a budget too because he gives presents to every kid in the world. And so this that you're wanting, you may not get. And I I don't think I would ever just flat out say you're not getting it. Uh, You may want to be that blunt, but it's okay to just be honest and say, hey, you know, Santa has a budget. We have a budget. We can't we can't deal with that. I, I, my mom was telling me this afternoon that there was one point in time in our family where a cousin got something that another cousin had asked for and they didn't get it. But Santa brought it to this other cousin and and um, <clears throat> they finally just said uh, to the kids there that Santa that we have to pay for whatever Santa brings you. So if we can't afford it in our family, oh. Santa can't bring it to you. And it's and it's okay to own that. I mean, it's mm. it's perfectly fine. And you may shatter their hopes and dreams, but how many of us asked for ponies and you know things exactly. growing up for Christmas that we never got? Mm. Uh, it was never even on the radar of thought mm. for for our parents. It is a teachable moment for kids to learn like you can't get everything you want. Yeah, but but it's also uh, should be a teachable moment to other adults too to understand that. You know, when their kid comes back from Christmas break and starts telling all these other kids that Santa brought them all of these thousands of dollars worth of stuff, that the other kid then feels inadequate. At my house, what we do is Santa brings him one gift, and it's not a big gift. It's it's just one simple gift, and then everything else he gets is from mom and dad or Nana and Pap or, or Mima and Papa, whoever. And that way he's not expecting this spectacular thing from Santa Claus. Maybe that has to do a little bit of with pride because I hate to think that I spent my hard earned money on something that Santa gets the credit <laughs> for. But then in this question, she said, how does she do that without adding additional stress to the child? 
uh, you're, you deal with child behaviors here. So you can imagine maybe some of the behaviors that might be given by a child that didn't get what they want. So how, how would we approach in, in, that, that part of that question? I would say the child's going to have some reaction to it. It's not enjoyable to hear like, oh, I won't get that present. Like, darn. So they're going to have some reaction to it. Maybe it goes back to planning, plan ahead. Maybe there's something that you know you could do to kind of smooth it over where it won't be he's throwing a tantrum or something like that. Yeah. And he still might, but having a plan of stuff you can do to cope with that could be making him a snack he likes, not to bribe him, but not hit as hard. Yeah. So what I did with Luke was I just said, which I've always wanted a ferret, like my band director had a male and female ferret and they would come around the band room and it was just, and so I've always wanted one. My mom never allowed me to have one and I never got one when I was living my own. And Jennifer's like, absolutely not. And so I told Luke, I said, you know, Santa might be able to bring you a ferret thinking that he would look at a ferret, see that it looks like a weasel or, a, or a long mouse and be like, no, I don't want that. I want a poodle. And so last night I said to him, I said, Luke, you know, Santa's probably not going to bring you a, a poodle. And he said, well, I'll take one of those other things that you showed me. And I was like, what? I'd already forgotten. He was like, I was like, what? And he said, those long brown things. And I'm going, what are you talking about? And he goes, you know, the one that looks like a mouse, but is super long. And I'm going, a ferret? And he goes, yeah, he'll bring me a ferret. And I'm going, oh, I have, I've made this even worse for myself. <laughs> So, yeah, adding to that stress of, and, and it may even be like, what is the newest game console? Is it like a PS5? PS5. Yeah. I don't know the Xbox. Yeah. So, uh, so maybe when it comes down to that stress part, maybe it's that their best friend asked for the same thing and their best friend got it, but they didn't. And now they're stressed because they're not good enough. And maybe they're already having problems there of not feeling adequate or not getting positive validation. Hmm. I think it all goes back to being honest and saying, you know, this is how this works. And even if you want to keep the spirit of Christmas alive by having Santa Claus, it may just be as simple as saying, you know, we have to pay for what Santa brings you. Yes, he brings it to you and it's a surprise to us as much as it is to you, but we have to pay for it. Hmm. So we can't afford that kind of gift. Whatever that case may be, uh, I, I think think that it is important that we're just honest. Yes, I'm a big believer in honesty. That's how my parents were with me, and I thought it was a good model for how I try to be as a therapist. Yeah, if you were a dishonest therapist, I think it wouldn't there, go well. Yeah, there exactly. are repercussions for that. <laughs> yes, I think. And kids have really good memories. <laughs> that they do. They have really good memories. All right, here's another question from Gina. Hi, Doc Brian. This is Gina. I was just reaching out because I had a question. As a new parent, I am really trying to balance the holidays for my daughter between her paternal and her maternal grandparents, and I was wondering if you had any advice. Thank you. Bye. Bum, bum, bum. Yes. The question of the ages. How to balance. How to balance. For my family, personally, we would always do, well, so I have Nana and I have Meemaw, right? My Nana is my mom's mom, and we would usually, we'd either do the day before for dinner or we would do lunch the same day, but we would just do a meal with her at a different time, and then we would do meal malls for dinner or, you know, whichever time we decided. The trick would be 
probably finding a time that both sides are okay with. Mm -hmm. That's probably the tricky part. Yeah, I have found that what works best for us anyway is with with Jennifer being in healthcare, uh, working in a hospital, and her mother being in healthcare, working in a hospital. They are going to have to work either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. One of those days they're going to have to work. And so what we've always done is try to make sure that Jennifer and her mom work on that same day, whether it be the eve or the day. And then it's just known by our family that whatever day she's off is what day we're going to be with her. And we'll be with my side of the family, the opposite. Or sometimes it is, okay, we're doing Thanksgiving with you this year and Christmas with the other side of the family and then we switch each year, yeah. and that tends to work. The problem comes in to play of where the grandparents aren't as hospitable to what you think needs to be done. I have heard things like, well, we have always gotten together for Christmas. We've always done it this way. And the problem with that is is doing it the way you've always done is what has gotten you where you're at. Mm. So um, there has to be some concession on either side. So what happens when there isn't, that this is the way it's going to be? And the simple answer is, I'm sorry you feel that way. I understand why you feel that way. But what I have found is I've got to keep more people than just you happy. And this is the way I have to do it to make it work. Phil found three F's of conflict resolution. I don't know. Did they teach that in school anymore? I understand how you feel. I would have felt the same way, but what I have found is, yeah, three F's. I've always used dear man. It's a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. It's a DBT skill. Mm -hmm. It's about how to ask for what you want. I I would detail it, but it would probably take 10 minutes because it's (laughs) dear man has a lot of letters. Uh, We we can save that acronym analysis for, uh, for another day, but it does get tricky. It does get tricky in that, you know, in our situation where you have, which you don't have kids, so you've not entered in this breach of time yet, but of where the whole family gets together and then the nan and pap want to have their own Christmas with just the grandkids and then Mama and Papa want to have their own Christmas with just the grandkid and then their side of it. So now you've got four events to go to on either an eve or day, and it really just becomes way out of hand. Mm. So the key there is balance and preparation. Say, okay, these are the days that I'm going to have off. And what I, what I say a lot is whoever books it first is who's going to get that day if we can make it. That leaves some of the stress off of me about how to try to make it work. But with us living, you know, two and a half hours away from our family, it's more of a when can you come kind of kind of ordeal. Fear options to begin with. Right. And when, you, you know, my mom has six brothers, so and each brother has at least three kids. So it becomes very difficult to. That's a lot of moving parts. To, yeah. To get the logistics of that down to be one day at a particular time. Hmm. So. it's very difficult. It's difficult. It's not fun. Being an adult's not fun. You know, that's the biggest lie I was ever told is just wait until you're an adult. It'll be so much fun. You'll have so much power. Uh, It's the biggest lie, biggest lie ever. So uh, Gina, my suggestion would be to just kind of leave it to them and say, okay, this is what is available. And 
whoever books first, then, then we'll know, which in my case, my mother-in-law would say, well, I work this Christmas, so I'm not going to work next Christmas. So next Christmas, y'all are going to be with me, which is okay. I mean, if you can plan that far ahead, you know, do, do what you can do. So Gina, I hope that answered your question. All right. Here's our next question from Robert. Hi, Doc Brian. My name is Robert, and I'm calling from Manhattan. I have a very good friend who's going to be alone on Christmas. I've asked her over to my place many times, but she doesn't want to come. How much should I push? I know she was alone last year and hated it. Thanks for your answer. So the first thing that I noticed about that question was that he is trying to get her to come to his house. Now, the relationship could be completely platonic. We, we don't have that information. You know, he says, how far should I push it? I think you would be need to be very careful how far you push that. Mm-hmm. The first thing I would say is that she's very lucky to have a friend that cares that much, you know, to, to even call and ask. But at the end of the, the day, the, the decision is hers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've got to allow people to have have that power to to make that decision what what are your thoughts there yeah i would agree you know if she knows that she's welcome over there and you've invited her you know you've done what you need to do yeah uh maybe even you know just gently reminding her of how she had told you she was alone last year and how much she hated being alone not to try to bring up the past but to just say i know this is how you communicated to me how you felt and I just wanted to give you an option. And but then to remember that that at the end of the day, the choice is hers. Maybe it's that the two of you find time during the Christmas season or whatever that you do this. And maybe not on a particular day, maybe not to your house with your family. Uh, that might be a little bit more intimidating uh, than to just go to lunch or, you know, go get coffee or something. Yeah. And I have friends that I just okay, when are you in town? Mm-hmm. Okay, you want to get lunch on this day? And just kind of work it out that way. Sure. That way I don't have to be around the entire family just sure. if I want to talk with them. Yeah, because if you go to your Meemaw's on Christmas, you're there until she says it's over. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I went by her house. For those of you, Jonathan and I, our, our families know each other through the church here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went by her house one day. It's like 1130 to give her something. And she was like, well, you got to eat lunch before you leave. And I was like, I have a meeting at like 1230. Mm. And she was like, well, you've got 20 minutes. You've got time. Where is this meeting? I'm like, oh, just feed me. Just whatever, you know. Just- She's very welcoming, but sometimes you're like, I don't need that right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but she she doesn't take no for an answer very easily. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, with a grandparent, you can get away with that. But I think as being somebody's friend, that might not uh, come across too, too well. Yeah. So, um, I got one more caller here that, uh, that I want to want to listen to. And then the rest of these questions, we're going to listen, uh, and answer for our new year's, uh, podcast, but here's this, this last one. You know who this is. I do. Pastor Timothy Walker. We are in an interesting time in our lives. Uh, having lost our son to COVID pneumonia, we're going to have to learn how to make it through the holidays since he passed away on uh, December 27th of last year. This is our first year without him. 
So we're learning how to cope. Well, the first thing I would say is that I'm sorry for your loss and the loss of any family member is not easy. Uh, but especially as a child, I think that would be more, more difficult. So learning to cope without them. One of the things that I have suggested is that you start a new family tradition in their honor so that you are keeping their memory alive, their memory alive and not the loss of them alive. Whatever that tradition may be, I, I know uh, uh, this this family who uh, they lost their mother, and her mother, their mother was real big on doing. I'm sure in school you took the popcorn and did the string through the popcorn and then put it around the Christmas tree. Are you still too young for that? I don't think I actually remember that one. <laughs> well, uh, these people are my age, so they remember doing that in school. And and their mom every year they did that. Uh, you know this this shoe this uh, what am I talking about popcorn type garland. And then do you remember like the old tinsel? Like you would it was like string of tinsel, and you would hold it in there, and you'd blow on it, and then it would go on the Christmas tree. You're too, you're still too I'm young still for that. Young. Man, I'm showing my age here. <laughs> but their mom, that was something that they always did. And so in order to keep that alive, if you will, they took popcorn, but they colored the popcorn, their mom's favorite color. And they made sure everybody came over. They did the popcorn uh, tinsel with everybody. They all decorated the tree together, but they made the whole tree their mom's favorite color. And that was their way of remembering and keeping tradition alive uh, during that time. And so uh, whatever that may be, I had another family that they would go uh, camping every year, uh, you know, out of the lake. And they said that while camping, you know, was supposed to be this, you know, living like a homeless person, but it cost hundreds of dollars to do that, mm -hmm. um, that their mom would bring a generator, a coffee pot, an electric coffee pot, a TV. That's you know, perfect. Yeah, all of these things that are, are essentials, mm -hmm. uh, but not typically used in camping. Uh, and I was like, well, you got to keep that alive. You know, you got to make sure that y'all still do that every year and that you take all of these things, whether you use them or not, that you make sure they're there uh, to honor that. Um, and so it, it is very difficult, but, but I can say, uh, firsthand that it is more difficult, uh, the first year or the second year that that takes place. What are, what are some coping mechanisms that, that just come to your mind? The first one that pops to me, pops into mind for me is support system. Having, you know, one or two people that you feel comfortable talking to about it. Like when you're having these feelings and they're really strong, um, a couple of people that you can share it with is really helpful. For a lot of people I've worked with. Yeah. And I think one of the worst things that you could do is just ignore that they're not there. You know, so many times we will go to family gatherings and we've lost a loved one and their name is not even uttered. You know, um, last, I guess it was last year, uh, my mom was still in the hospital from COVID. So it was the first year ever that we had Thanksgiving and Christmas without my mom there. And I know it was very awkward. Like, you know, it's just, just it wasn't the same. Uh, and there wasn't a really whole lot of talking about her. And I'm like, this is just weird. Uh, and so we just, I just initiated a conversation about things that had happened in the past that were funny that she was a part of. And, and some of the family traditions, for instance, 
whenever you go to my mom's for Christmas, you unwrap all of the presents and you leave all the wrapping paper on the floor. And then when everyone has unwrapped every present and everybody's seen what everybody has gotten, we have a um, wrapping paper ball fight, like oh, everybody. That's and so we still had that fight. And I was like, I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like wrapping all of these presents. But we had to to keep that moment alive, to to keep that going. And so, you know, as I said, the worst thing you do is just forget about them, you know, that they're not even there. And it's okay to bring them up. It, it may be that somebody doesn't want it brought up. Somebody, well, let's not talk about that. Let's not do that. That's their that's their agenda. That's okay. But that memory needs to stay alive. Mm-hmm. And, and so we all cope in different ways. I do know this person, and they're they're going to go out of town for Christmas. Uh, they've not ever done that before, and so that will help them to at least not even be in the home where they lost their son mm. to to give them some some time to yeah, process. So yeah, it would be would be. Well, uh, Jonathan, I appreciate you being here with me today and answering all the the troubles of the world of our of our listeners. And uh, thank you for your insight. For sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So what are your Christmas plans? Now, let's preface that by saying you're not married and you don't have kids. Right. So I have total freedom to do whatever (laughs) I want. Just kind of spend it with my family. A lot of my family lives around here, which is nice. I don't have to travel too far. I'm going to visit with friends that come from out of town, you know, stuff like that. Great. Well, what is, as we're closing here, what is the best Christmas memory that you ever have? Oh, man trying to think i don't know if it's one single memory but whenever so like i said a lot of my family lives in arkansas and my meemaw very hospitable all that very welcoming to everyone the memories that i cherish the most were just all of our family being at her house and she had this tree but there's a ton of grandkids and the the or the presents would just spill out all over the floor and that one really sticks out to me. And it was always real special. And we still do that. Of course, now we're more scattered because we're grown and, you know, we have different places. But mm-hmm. not a single memory, but just all those moments together. Yeah, I, I remember sometimes that the presents were stacked almost as high as the tree. Yes. You know, around. But yeah, wonderful. All right. Well, I'm Doc Brian. You can find me at thedocbrian.com. All of my social media links are there at the bottom of my website. Of course, Doc Talks is a part of the B. Frank Network. You can find all of our podcasts there at bfranknetwork.com. Jonathan, once again, thank you for being here with us. And uh, we hope that you have a very Merry Christmas and we will see you next week. Goodbye.